Good morning, rich people. Wait a minute, that's not the way he's supposed to start a sermon. Also, he's going to talk about money. Not, not a big fan of that in church. If you're thinking anything like that, I'm going to ask you to hear me out. More importantly, I'd ask you to pay attention because it's Jesus who has the story that you want to hear. And the thing is, I can begin by calling you rich because we are all rich. You may not think so, but we are. We may be rich in terms of earthly wealth and possessions. What's rich, though? Americans feel that that if you have a net worth of $774,000, you are financially comfortable. They, they feel that you are wealthy, that you are rich, if you have a net worth of $2.2 million. $2.7 if you live in Phoenix. That, that's actually true. That's how they feel. But I would guess that most of us might label as rich people who have far less than $2.2 million. And ask people in the rest of the world to assess your life and they would call you rich. Many, many, many people around the world would call you rich. No question about it. We may be rich when it comes to God. If you're sitting here today with an understanding of God's undeserved love, his grace shown to you in Jesus Christ, and you have faith in him as your Savior, you are spiritually rich. Most, if not all of us here this morning, are rich one way or the other. And some of us might be both. The real issue, though, is a matter of the heart. What kind of riches do you depend on? I think I know our answer to that question because we're sitting here in church, but we ought to think about this more deeply than that. As we listen to Jesus' story, think about this. What type of rich person are you? The one that depends on earthly things or the one that depends on God? Out of a large crowd came a man who had a request of the teacher who no doubt um, he saw as wise and authoritative. He told Jesus to step into a family disagreement about an inheritance. One of the brothers, it seems, was, was clutching the family's money and possessions when he should have been, at least according to this brother, dividing it among them. Jesus responded sharply to him, Man, who appointed me to be a judge or an arbitrator over you? See, Jesus had not been elected or appointed to some governmental position like a judge who could step in and decide. He wasn't a, a third-party mediator who was to settle disputes over division of assets. And Jesus had been appointed to a position, but it wasn't the kind that, that this man was looking for. Jesus was appointed by his Father to come into the world to be its Savior, to show people that and to tell them that they would go to heaven through faith in him. And so, Jesus turned the man's request into a teachable moment for everybody there. Jesus addressed the sin of greed when he said, Watch out and be on guard against all greed, because a man's life is not measured by how many possessions 
he has. As he often did, Jesus told a story to make his point here that riches and eternal life are not on the same level, not, not even close. The rich man Jesus talked about gave serious thought to his crops and his ability to store the abundance that he'd been blessed with. Bigger barns was his determination. Bigger barns. Then he would have room for all of his goods and his grain, all of the things that that made him rich. His problems would be solved and he could look ahead to the future. And as he did that, he saw that he would have the ability to do whatever he wanted. He wouldn't have to work so hard. He could eat and drink to his heart's content. He could have a great attitude toward life. He'd be happy. This man didn't need a side hustle like Uber driving or tutoring or anything like that. He was already rich. And now this abundant harvest really set him up for the future. It was a windfall. And everything that he had earned and stored up would be his security. He could work less, enjoy life's luxuries and finer things without having to worry. Maybe this was his version of an early retirement. Smart man. Work hard, plan well, manage well, eye to the future. He thought he had everything figured out. Smart man. Except he wasn't so smart. God calls him a fool. Why? Because he gave no thought to God. His wealth and the managing of it just left God out. He was the kind of person who depended on earthly things, the the kind who bases their future on them, the one that, that finds their happiness in them. This is the kind of person who really lives for the nice things that the world offers. What a fool. On the very night he dreamed of his future, of enjoying all that he had earned, his life would end and he would stand before God. His things would go to someone who hadn't earned them and he would be judged. How useless was his work and his possessions and and even his life? Solomon would say, what vapor Yeah, what a fool. With the short story, Jesus makes it clear that that it is a gross error to live this way, this way that shows disrespect for God and a lack of love for the one who is the giver of all things. It's so obvious that that this rich man had things messed up. But don't we have to ask ourselves the question, whether we are guilty of the damning sins that Jesus warned against? Could it be that Jesus needs to respond sharply to us because of our attitudes toward worldly wealth and our attitudes concerning spiritual wealth? Does he need to tell us to stop worrying? To stop focusing on what's temporary? 
to stop thinking we're fine when we're not? We have some similarities with the rich man. You have built up earthly wealth to some degree. It might be extremely modest. Could be an awful lot. Might be somewhere in the middle. Or it, but even though it's not uh, bigger barns, you put those things somewhere. You own a house, maybe, or two, or some other properties. You store some of it in a bank, in a fund, in a retirement account. It's stored for you in Social Security, maybe a pension, too. Or like these brothers, it's, it's kept within a document for an inheritance that will come to you eventually. It's stored in your closets and in your kitchen cabinets, in your dressers, in your drawers, in your boxes. It's kept in your garage. It's parked in your driveway. Many of us have lots of barns, and we have plenty of stuff stored up in them. Even if you wouldn't classify yourself as rich, what you have may add up to something significant, at least in the eyes of many. I hope that as I gave you some examples, you were thinking about your money and and your things. And now I want you to think about how focused you are on those things. Think about how much time and energy are dedicated toward those things. Think about whether you stake your future on those things. Jesus makes us consider whether we are the rich person who depends on earthly things. The alternative is that we might be the rich person who depends on God. The way Jesus terms it is being rich toward God. Being rich toward God means to be rich with respect to God, rich concerning God. There are a number of things we probably ought to think about with that. The Bible tells us to use our gifts and abilities to be industrious, to provide for ourselves, to provide for our family, even to to store up some things in a proper way. Proverbs talks like that and to not worry and fret that we won't have enough to to trust our lives in God's hands. To be rich toward God means to, to push away greedy thoughts, to squash covetous desires, because those feelings tell God that he has not given you enough or he's not given you the right things to make you happy. They scream out to God that though he has lavished you with riches enough, you are one who depends on earthly things. So we don't want to do that. We don't want to feel that way. It's not what we want to tell God. We treasure his undeserved love. We place the highest value on our forgiveness of sins. We prize eternal life in heaven with him. The love of Christ compels us to be rich toward God. I love my Savior so much that I want to live for him because he loved me first. I want my heart and my mind and my actions to cry out that I am one 
who depends on God. There are some practical ways to express that. We use what we have and what we've accumulated to be generous to other people, to help when there's a need. And God talks about his people doing those things. We take care of our families with that. God actually says if you don't do that, you're worse than an unbeliever. Jesus tells us to pay taxes out of our wealth. He tells us to be good managers of all of his money and his possessions that he has entrusted to our care. Being rich toward God is shown in our offerings too. It's funny how greed and a lack of trust in God to provide pop up so easily when it comes to our giving back to him. Of all of the ways that we use what we bring in and accumulate, giving back to him ought to be the easiest thing of all for the one who depends on God. But this can all be so hard, can it? Some treat their earthly wealth as, it is, as if it is entirely disconnected from faith. Some people's actions send the message that, that this is all mine because I worked hard for this. God said something about that. You might say in your heart, my ability and the power of my hand have earned this wealth for me. But then you are to remember that the Lord your God is the one who gives you the ability to produce wealth. It would be a grave mistake, potentially damning one, to think that God does not notice or that God does not care about what we do with our money and our things. If you don't prioritize and manage your your wealth to do the things that God tells his people to do, it's sin. And if you just continue with that greed, and that's what he calls it, it can grab hold of your heart. How bad can it be? How bad did it get for the foolish rich man that Jesus talked about? If our thought is that I can't be rich toward God and have the Disney vacations and the, the cruises and the house and the cars and the education and whatever else that wealth is needed for, if we choose those other things, then we are the rich man. Maybe you think that that sounds harsh. But you can't argue with God. If you are living for these and other worldly things, but you are not rich toward God, he calls you a fool because you have not prioritized things correctly and you have poorly managed what he has given to you. Taken to its end, your eternal future might not be so bright. But don't get things twisted. Pay attention to what I'm going to say right now. We don't do these things to avoid punishment. As if we just live in a certain way and then God will accept us. That would be living by the law, wouldn't it? 
That would be saying, I am saved by what I do. We can't leave here today thinking that that we've been bad. We have been foolish in God's eyes, and so we have to change things. This is more than behavior. It has to do with our heart. We love Jesus because he actually lived all of these things perfectly, and then he credited that perfection to us. It's love for Jesus that drives our actions. Here's the other thing about being rich toward God or rich concerning God. He has made you a spiritually rich person. What's more valuable than Jesus? God the Father sent him for you. Jesus offered himself for you. The Holy Spirit gifted you with saving faith. Money can't buy those things. Knowing that your, your sins are forgiven, even the ones that Jesus talks about today, no trust fund can hold that. Eternal life in heaven, are you kidding me? God has made you spiritually rich. And he just, he just gave it all to you. What type of rich person are you? I suspect that I'm looking at a whole bunch of spiritually rich people who depend on God. We're the kind of people who want to change whatever's wrong in our lives in order to thank God for his incredible, eternal generosity. We're the kind of people who care about how we treat worldly wealth because we know that he has made us rich now and forever. Amen.